so Krista's going to join me this morning because we are going to talk to, it's Father's Day, and we promised that we would do this on Father's Day. On Mother's Day, we talk to men. Today, we're going to actually talk uh, to women. So Krista's going to help because I'm, you know, I'm treading on, well, yeah, just, th- uh, yeah, thin ice would be a good way to put it. So we're, we're going to try to do this together. Let me say, uh, First of all, though, we, a couple other announcements. I, you know, I used the golf club last week. I talked about golf, and I had a number of people come to me and talk about golf. So we're going to have a golf tournament. There's an announcement in your bulletin if you want it. It's on uh, July the 8th. We encourage everybody to sign up as a contact and a way to be involved. We're going to have a blast with that, with golf. Um, and we also have talked so much about spiritual growth and how important that is to our romantic life. Uh, it's the key. We talked about the triangle you know, God's at the top, and then husband and wife, and as we grow closer to God, what happens? We go closer to each other, that spiritual growth is really important. So there's an event coming up that uh, Krista wants to talk about that the uh, women-to-women ministry are focused on about women of faith. Yeah, um, on August 17th and 18th, we're going to have right in our backyard at the Verizon Center a, a program, a conference called Women of Faith. It's for all women of all ages, married, single, divorced, widowed, all ages. We just love to have you. Um, it's a super uh, time together. Not only are we growing in our walk with God, but when we bond together as, as a group of women. Um, but it's uh, just, I mean, a time of laughter and sharing and, you know, lots of estrogen. Can't go wrong. Yes. <laughs> okay. You're going right. to hear in a minute. <laughs> okay. All right, there we go. That's that. Uh, did anybody get a... Turkey leg on your way in from Henry's Soul Cafe. Anybody get one of those? One person got it? Really? That's it? I had so many guys come and say, this is an awesome turkey leg. So those are for you fathers or just all you got to be is a man to qualify to get one. So I hope you had them uh, and I hope you enjoyed them. I know a bunch of guys I was talking to said that it was the best turkey leg they've ever had before. Uh, the studies are all really clear, everybody. This is not like it's... Uh, Debated, it's pretty clear that a father's influence in a child's life, if that, um, you know, if they're involved in their child's life and they're just even, you know, minimally um, encouraging in that child's life, they make a huge impact. Uh, the impact is on definitely a spiritual level. The impact's on a mental, emotional level. It's on a financial level. That when a father is involved in a home, that those children more than likely will grow up and live fulfilled adult lives. Think about that. If you're a father, I'd like you to please stand up. Wonderful. Thank you very much. We are going to look at Song of Solomon. Chapter 8, we are concluding smoking hot today. We've been, you know, all kinds of rambunctious this last eight weeks, so we're just going to try to just, there's been some fascinating things over this, and there's some surprises today, at least they were surprises to me. I just want us to just have a conversation about them this morning, just to kind of tie a bow on this whole thing from smoking hot. So um, it's been quite a journey, and I hope that some of the things that we've learned from the Bible uh, have really caught your attention. They've caught mine. There were things that I did not know and learned a lot of things that were in God's Word and some principles that are very, very powerful uh, along the way. I learned that the Song of Solomon, there's many songs in the Bible. The Bible says this is the best song of all. 
It's the song of all songs. I, I didn't, I never caught on to that for all these years. You know, the book of Psalms is 150 songs. And it says that this song is the greatest song of all. It's about romance. And that fascinated me. Uh, I learned that romance is God's idea, that character is king, that kissing is important, and Beyonce is a great theologian. (laughs) I've learned that we should never stop complimenting each other and never stop serving each other, that we need to focus on the positives. And I learned for myself that I need to be much better at asking questions of my wife. Um that we need a verdant bed. And if you miss that particular sermon, you'll have to go back. They're all on our website. Uh, Really, all of these eight have to be taken as a whole. If this is your first time here today, it's your first time, please, you you can't just take this one message and say, ah, I like it or I hate it or whatever. You really have to view all of this song. It's an entirety as a whole. I encourage you, if this is the only one you've heard, you should probably listen to the other seven because it makes everything kind of complete that we should pursue friends and not mates, that sex is glue. Uh, all of these things that I have just learned along the way have been fascinating to me. In chapter Don't 8... Don't forget Boom Boom in the bedroom. Yes, we, so we... Okay. Yeah. That was uh, completely unexpected. So, again, if it's your first time, the three different news stations picked up on this series that we're doing, and that was their lead in... Arlington pastor says there's not enough boom, boom in the bedroom. And uh, it was kind of, you know, it, it wasn't exactly what we were saying, although I like the phrase. And so I just kind of kind of stuck with it. Anyway, chapter eight um, is this is like a great musical. It's like a magnificent musical. And all the characters that we've seen in the first seven chapters, they appear in chapter eight. That's what's fascinating. Like they're all coming onto the stage and they're taking a bow. So you got he's there, she's there, obviously, but then you have the brothers that show up and the mother shows up and the the daughters of Jerusalem show up and the choir that's singing behind them. They all show up and they take a bow and it's kind of fascinating as we go through chapter. So I want to read to you these verses and they're, if you don't have a Bible with you, they're on the back of that blue outline and they're probably on the screen behind me. So I want to read them, say a few words about them and then go through and make a couple points and Krista and I are going to try just to do this together. Okay, so this is what it says. She is speaking at this point, and she says, If only you were to me like a brother, which seems very strange, who was nursed at my mother's breast, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you, and nobody would despise me. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house, she who has taught me. Now here, verse number six, she again is speaking. This is the key verses, these two verses, six and seven, of the entire song. This is what she says about love. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Its jealousy unyielding is the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. I just want to stop just real quick about love. Because we've been hearing a lot about love for these. But here's kind of like the first time in the song that it like, it goes into some deeper thinking about what love is. And, and what is being said here is that love can't be bought. Like if even somebody tried to buy it, like the Beatles have it right, right? right? They, said, they had it right. You can't buy love. You can't do it. And if somebody thought that they could buy love, they'd be utterly scorned. And when she says, place me like a seal over your heart, like that was like identification. Like this ring here, right? Put it on almost 27 years ago, all right? And I gave her my heart. 
This is the same thing. She's saying, give me your heart. But she's saying it in such a way that I know, I know you've already given me your heart. There's this devotion that is mutual between the two of them. And she says, you know, it's like a flame and no water could put this out. Now, she says that jealousy here, it's jealousy is unyielding as the grave. And when you hear the word jealousy, it kind of conjures up bad, negative stuff. But I want you to know this. It's really important because you'll read in places in the Bible where it says God is a jealous God. And some of you have read that thought, what? God is jealous? He's green with envy. He's petty like that. And it doesn't make sense. And why would love be jealous? You need to know this, biblically speaking, in the Hebrew, is that there's a positive side to jealousy and there's a very negative side. We understand the negative. It's petty, it's envy, it's green, all these kind of stuff. Let me tell you the positive side. Here's what it means. It means to be singly devoted. So when you hear that God is a jealous God, let me tell you why you want a jealous God, why you're like, yes, thank you that you're so jealous. What God is saying is he's totally devoted to you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. God is saying, I will never turn my back on you. You might turn your back on me, but I will never turn my back on you. And what she's saying here is these two have said we are committed to death. Till death do us part, right? Right in our vows. Till death do us part. We are totally committed to each other. They're powerful verses. Somebody told me at the end of the first service, said, hey, uh, I'm getting married soon. That's going to be in my wedding ceremony. And I can't think of something better. Verse number eight. All right. This is, this is the funniest part of the entire song. And it's meant to be funny. It's very playful. Her brothers are speaking. And she, he, they say, we have a young sister and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she's spoken for? If she's a wall, we're going to build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. And then she speaks in verse 10. She says, hey, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. She's a little boastful, but uh, <laughs> thus I've become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. That word contentment is shalom in the Hebrew. Verse 7, verse 11, sorry. Solomon has a vineyard in Baal Haman. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and 200 are those who tend its fruit. This is, in a minute, I'm going to explain that, and it's another surprise to me. Final verse, this is the only time he speaks in the entire song. He says, verse number 13, he says this, You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Uh, Krista, would you pray? Lord, thank you for this time together, and thank you for such a powerful chapter and just book of the Bible, Lord. We thank you that you are the author of all romance, and that uh, romance and love is so important to you, Lord. Lord, I pray you would bless the remainder of this service, God, and may you be honored. Amen. Amen. First point, um, again, we're really speaking to wives and women today. The first point when it comes to that female-male relationship there is to be adoring, to be adoring, to adore him, to gush with adoration for him. This is what she's saying. So when she says, I wish you were a brother to me, and you're like, what? what I mean, where did that come from? I just want to kiss you and hold your hands and all this out in public so I would not be despised. Here's what you need to know. Culturally, in their culture, and we're not in their culture, okay? There's different cultures around this world. It was unacceptable in their culture for a husband and wife to have any PDA, public display of affection. No kissing in public, no holding hands. There are even some culture in the world today where it's unacceptable, everybody, for a husband to even like talk to uh, a wife or talk to a woman in 
public. That's just, that's just a cultural thing. And in their culture, they couldn't show any public displays of affection. There's a kebab place right up the street here. Now, if a lady, if you're a lady and you go in there and you got a man with you, you go in there with a man and as a woman, you take out your wallet or whatever and you pay the bill, who, who at this kebab place do they give the money back to? You, female? No. They're giving it because that's their culture. They're going to give it back to the man. And so she is saying this. It's against our culture to show any public like kissing and holding hands. But I want to break all the rules of the culture. And here's the reason why. I adore you so much. It's not the point about the kissing and holding hands. That's not the point. The point is, is she adores him so much that she, it, she can't help it. It's like gushing from inside of her. So Krista's going to help us with some it's an overflow. Example. It's an overflow for the love that you have for your spouse. Um, and everything I learned from my, my uh, life, I've learned from my daughter, and uh, there's even a lesson learned from my dog. Um, so when Gracie was little, our daughter, she's now almost 13, um, she would hear her dad pull up outside, and her little pitter-patter feet would go charging through the house, Daddy's home! And she would run up to John with a big smile on her face and jump in his arms. And, like, John just melted. He just loved that. And, you know, I've had to learn a little lesson from that, that my daughter actually has um, given me an example of John appreciates that kind of warm welcome. Uh, most of the time I welcome him with a honeydew list. And then, um, then we, we joke about this with, with our, our dog, Butterscotch. Uh, when I see our greet, our dog, Butterscotch, I'm... We joke, but it's so true. It's Go so ahead. true. And I, okay, I adore Butterscotch. Um, and yeah. John says to me, oh, if you would only love me as much as you love that dog. <laughs> but I, I, I pet on her, and I love on her, and I adore her. And I think, uh, I think my husband's a little jealous. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what happens. <laughs> Uh, the few times that I might be home before Krista, I'll get home before Krista, she'll come in and she'll like, I can't even repeat it, but you know, she screams, you can hear all over the neighborhood and she loves the hugs, the dog and just holds you so just filled with joy for the dog. And then she'll look up and see me standing there. She go get the, go get the groceries, you know, or take out the trash. There's a little difference. There's a little, a little difference. It's a little different. She's gushing with joy for that stupid dog. And does she adore me? So that's all. It's not that, you know, I need her to run to me and jump in my arm. Yes, he does. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you can feel, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it. Is there deep down adoration that you can't hold back? Okay. So, so she adores. Well, okay? yeah. There's other ways of adoring. Um, that, that's just one, a couple little things. But um, also, ladies, it's, it's, it's the, way, the way we dress. It's, it's trying to look our best for our, our husbands. Um, that means taking care of our bodies. That means, um, you know, looking cute. So I think they appreciate that too. God, God made men very visual. So that is one way that you, I, you know, I adore him. I'm going to look my best. Would that be a good way to say it? That's a good way to say okay. it. Okay. And uh, that's God's fault. He made us this way. So let's move on. <laughs> All right, uh, the next one that I would like you to... This was a big surprise to me. I was not prepared. I didn't see this one coming. The second point is, be a godly woman. That's not the one that surprised me, okay? But who knows God's word, teaches God's word, and lives God's word. Now, this is... I'm going to read you verse 2. This is so fascinating to me. I 
she's speaking in verse 2. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who has taught me. Are you serious? She taught me. So again, think about where we're at. This has been this phenomenal, romantic love story. And if you've been here for weeks, some bells hopefully are starting to go off for you. Think about the way she has walked, the way she has talked, how she has danced, how she has been a tiger after him, and he is just blown away and excited romantically what she has done. And what has crossed my mind as we've gone, I thought to myself, where did she learn to do this? Well, she just told us. Her mother taught her the word of God as it pertains to romance. What husband in this auditorium this morning would not die for a mother-in-law like that? Love a mother-in-law. I mean, there's a lot of stuff our mother-in-laws do. Thank goodness my mother-in-law was here in the first service, so I had to hold my tongue. But there's a lot of stuff our mother-in-laws do that we're like, why did you do that? You don't need to do that. But this, this is fantastic. You want a mother-in-law like this. Do you want to say anything about that? There is, there is, um, the whole New Testament is full of scriptures that talk about the older leading and training the younger. Um, in our women's ministry here at the church, something we are trying to cultivate through our discipleship groups and our small groups, um, our women's groups, where we have women, older women in place that are, are doing, um, trying hard to, to help disciple young ladies and, and teach them in the ways of the Lord. So it's just a principle that we follow um, that this mother did for her daughter um, at an appropriate age. Yeah, so this is, when it talks about in the Bible about the older teach the younger, that can speak to age, but it can also speak to kind of like spiritual knowledge. So if you consider yourself someone, a woman, a little farther down the path spiritually with knowledge about God's word, here, here's, here's, here's the sad thing, that I think there's a big misunderstanding amongst um, you know, Bible believers sometimes. Well, okay, it means I'm, I know God's word as it pertains to prayer, and I know what the stories are in the Bible and the principles of the Bible. But what's being said here is, do you know about God's word as it pertains to romance? And are you willing, because some ladies, well, I had a mom, and like she was all about the Bible, and she knew the Bible. She never talked to me about this. That's a problem. And Christian just said, like, age appropriate. Yeah, of course. Like, you don't want to take your little three-year-old daughter and say, oh, let's talk about the palm tree in Song of Solomon chapter 7. Totally wrong. But, you know, as gets older, you, this is God's word, and there needs to be. This is where the teaching should come from, okay? Not from the TV and not in high school. From the word of God, from a mother. Now, from a mother, from a godly mother. Let me say this. Some of us have mothers that either are not godly or like we'll say no sex is of the devil or any, something like that. Okay, I understand that. Here's where, and Krista talked about saying, here's where the church comes in to be the family. We can't replace your family, but we want to be a family. And here's where there are people here that know God's word and they know God's word. They know the Song of Solomon and we can help and we can encourage and, and teach and come around. So you, what I'm, all I'm trying to say is you are at, you're not completely alone. Do you have anything else you want to say about that? Okay. All right. Uh, here's the funniest part of the entire song. It's meant to be playful, uh, and it is. So you want to write this down. Be a wall. W-A-L-L. Be a wall. So what is, what are the, the brothers come in, and it's the, in, in the scriptures, guys, it's, it's, it's kind of historically throughout the scriptures, it's the brother's job to play a major role in protecting 
a sister's um, sexuality. All right, so Genesis 34, uh, Jacob's sons, they're, they're sisters. Terrible story. She's sexually violated, and it's the brothers who rise up and uh, protect her. So there's this kind of history of protection. So they come in, and they say this thing about it. So this is what they say. I'll just read it. We have a young sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What they're trying to say is, she's our little sister. You know, she's not grown up yet. They're still looking at her with bows in her hair. This is the way they're viewing her. All right? So put that in your mind first. They have a little sister, breasts not yet What shall we do for our sister for the day she's spoken for, her wedding day? Verse 9. If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. Let me stop there. They're saying, if she's like shuts every person down she's not sexually promiscuous like it's like boom there's nothing going on here until i get married then we're as brothers we're going to say way to go sister we're going to put decorations on the wall all right if she is a door you understand what that means (laughs) we will enclose her with panels of cedar we will bar up the door right nobody's coming into the castle we're putting okay this is what we'll do Now, she's got something to say about it in verse number 10. She says, wait a minute. There's a couple things I want you to know. First of all, I'm a wall. And then she throws this in. And my breasts are like towers. I just, wow, really? No visuals on that. Okay? Thus, I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. That word is shalom in the Hebrew. She's saying, because I've kept myself for him for this wedding day, I've brought him tremendous peace and contentment. I've brought him shalom. And I thought that was fascinating. I also think this whole thing's fascinating. But the, the impact that a family plays, the impact that a family plays, this family was all playing a role in preparing her for romance. The family plays a big role. And again, some of us haven't had families like that. And I know that. And I'm hoping that in some way, this church, I say this all the time, if this church is anything, we're just a family. Like some big mechanism institution for Christendom. No. Our hope is to be a family. It's what we want and hope to be. Okay? Let's, and Chris talked about the community group, so I'll just move on. All right. I got some explaining to do on this next point, I'm afraid. All right. Be a believer in the greatness of men. Be a believer in the greatness of men. Men are put down a lot. Okay? Men take some shots. They take some shots on TV. They take some shots around the water cooler. We take a lot of shots. I want to say something about men here. This is another thing that caught me completely off guard because here we see the historic Solomon shows up in this writing. I want to read it and I want to try to explain it. Okay. Uh, It starts in verse number 11. Solomon had a vineyard. Now think about this, everybody. Solomon is writing this, the historic Solomon, the real life Solomon is writing it. She's speaking. So he's writing, but she's speaking. Got it? All right. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and 200 are for those who tend its fruit. All right. This is fascinating. Some of you have come to me throughout this series and you said, John, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought this is all about Solomon 
And he's talking about how unique she is and how he's totally devoted to her and she's number one and she's it. Didn't that guy have 700 wives? You're exactly right. This song is not about the historical King Solomon. This is Hebrew poetry. It represents every man and every woman that will choose God's best and God's way of doing romance. Let me just say it that way. Okay? Here is the romantic ideal from God's point of view. Now, Solomon's writing this, the historical Solomon. And what is fascinating is he chooses in the final act of his play, inspired by God, he shows up himself in a very regretful way, in an extremely sad way. You see the name there that's written down, Baal Haman? There's no place that's called Baal Haman. The word means a crowd of people. Did Solomon have a crowd of people? He had 700 wives. He had a crowd of people. Here's what I really want you to hear. There's deep regret in these verses. Solomon knows what is the best way. He knows the way to honor God and to honor a woman, his wife, one wife. And he also knows that he has not chosen the best way. You can read much of his regrets in the book of Ecclesiastes where he says, vanity, vanity, everything is useless, everything is meaningless. Solomon is saying, I missed the mark. I knew the right thing, but I didn't do the right thing. Now think about this. Men have a lot of bad role models in our lives or no role models whatsoever. Or we take our role models from work or our friends or TV or something, but bad role. Did Solomon have a bad role model? His father was King David, and his father was a great man of God, but his father did some stupid things, particularly when it came to women. Did he not? Yes. Solomon is the product of an affair. So his father, King David, has an affair with a woman. She gets pregnant to cover it up. He tries to get the, the husband to sleep with her so nobody would know the difference. The husband refuses to do it because the army of Israel is at war, so King David kills the father. His name is Uriah. The baby dies. King David takes in Bathsheba as his wife. King Solomon is the product of this whole terrible thing. Here's what I'm saying. Men, men want to accomplish. Men want to succeed. God says to man when he creates the earth, he says, Adam, cultivate and take ownership of the entire big project, right? You want to do something like a garden project around your house or build a deck. We're talking about the whole earth. Big. So God lays this massive and men like greatness. And in the midst of the greatness, in the midst of accomplishment, a lot of times three things confuse a man, money, power, and women. Okay. We get confused about it. And Solomon had three through the roof. He had a ton of money, he had a ton of power, and he had a ton of women. And for men, we think the more money I get, the more power I get, and the more women I have, the more satisfied I'm going to be. And Solomon here, the historical Solomon, steps foot inside of this song, and he says, I've blown it. I've had a crowd, and I'm sorry about it. And she says, Solomon, keep your money. You can't buy this love. Are you tracking with me? I want you to be a believer in the greatness of men because some of you have had a man in your life or you know about men and they've let you down. Horribly in some cases. Whether that's a father or whether that's a boyfriend or a husband. And your view of men is very low and rightfully so. I want to say this though. 
inside of every single man in this place is greatness. And the reason I know that is because God put it there. God wired every single man to be the man that's in the Song of Solomon, to be a man of honor, to be a man of respect, and to be a man of high character. I believe it all the way deep down to my bones. So when God needs to save the planet, he comes to a man, his name is Noah. He says, Noah, build a boat, save the planet. He says to King David, there's a giant out there, go kill it. He says to Peter, I need you to get out of the boat and walk on water. He says to Moses, I need you to free three million slaves. And he says to every single man from the Song of Solomon, he said, I want you to love one woman. And I want you to love her so much and be so devoted to her, be so committed to her that she beams with adoration and excitement because she knows that your love is stronger than death. And every single man in this place, no matter what role model you had or decisions you've made, it's in you because God put it in you. Something is stirring most every man in this room right now because you're saying, yes, I want to do that. Because God put it, wired into it, every man to achieve that greatness. That's just what God has done to us. And we are inspired by honor and commitment. Why do you think young men flock to the military and are inspired by sacrificing their life for a greater cause? Because God wired us with a desire to do something great. And there's no greater thing to do honor God with our lives and to honor one woman with our lives. Isn't it fascinating that jealousy is only appropriate at two relationships in the Bible? This is fascinating to me. Our relationship with God, single devotion to God, it says it's okay to be jealous in that relationship. And there's only one other area, and it's a relationship between a man and a woman. It's the only other place. All other jealousy is completely wrong. Believe in the greatness of men. It's in them. It's in them. Don't give in to this thing that all men are absolute jerks. We are jerks, but we're not absolute jerks. Okay. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I just have one last point, and we're almost done, okay? And bear with me and try not to be upset, all right? Uh, be the voice that he wants to hear. Be the voice. He only speaks one time in chapter 8, second to last verse of the entire song. Look what he says. You who dwell, he's speaking to her. You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants. What does he say? Let me hear your voice. Let me, I want your voice is sweet music to me. I want to hear your voice. Now, wait a minute. I want you to juxtapose that with something, okay? Because Solomon, who wrote those words, also wrote these words that I'm going to share with you from Proverbs. He says things like this. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. It's better to live on the corner of the roof than share the house with a quarrelsome wife. Wait a minute. Aren't we talk, we're talking the same guy here. Okay? It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome complaining wife. It's better to live in the corner of your attic. I, and he couldn't just say an attic. He said he had to say the corner of the attic, right? Corner, then a quarrelsome love. A nagging spouse like the drip, drip drip of a leaky faucet you can't turn it off and you can't get away from it okay he doesn't know anything about this no no i have a lot of friends and i'll give examples from the friends that i have okay uh i would like if you're a wife here today 
I'd like you to consider taking a challenge. Now, we challenge the men very strongly. If you weren't here on Mother's Day, please go back and listen to that. We challenge the guys, like, really strong. Uh, so here's a challenge for you, too. Ask your husband, how is your voice doing? And when he says, possibly it's not doing well, rather than saying, well, it's because you do this, this, and this, try to be willing to listen to receive that. Genuinely ask him, how is my voice doing? Here's the thing. Um, a wife's voice, a woman's voice, can bring deep inspiration or deep irritation. It's like there's a chalkboard inside of your soul for a man, and sometimes a wife's voice is like the fingernails going down the chalkboard. It just rip, and I, I hear this, I hear this, I don't experience this, I hear this all the time. <laughs> the, tone, the tone and the timing of your voice, very, very critical. Very, do you, is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, I know all about this, actually. I, I'm teasing. Um, not only am I a dripping faucet, sometimes I am Niagara Falls. Um, when, when my husband comes in from work, um, sometimes I, I, I do bless him with a to-do list, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but, ladies, we have a choice. And I think that there is there's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says, choose life. There's also a scripture in James that says, I have set a guard before my mouth or before my tongue to choose my words wisely. We can set a forest on fire with our tongues or we can bless it and, and affirm. And, and so every day I make a choice and we make a choice on how to be great wives or not. Um, that's a lot of power, but it comes from a tongue. So we need to um, choose wisely and, and make sure that our words are actually affirming. The tone and the timing is absolutely critical. You really have to look at it. Throughout the song, her tone, her timing is right, um, and, and it makes a big difference. And the deal is is that, um, I mean, I'll never forget, I was at the gym one day. I was in the locker room, and the guy he was on the cell phone, and he was on the phone with his wife. I knew he was on the phone because I could understand from his comments back. But she was telling him something, and he got it, and then she decided she needed to tell him again, and he got it again. And she told him about the tenth time, and it was like I could see him cowering down with the phone under a tidal wave of words, and I thought he was just going to absolutely explode. Here's what, you, here's what you need to know, and here's what guys tell me when you're not around, when they really open up and say, with that, they say that if, when you use your tone and the timing right, and usually there's a little bit of sensuality mixed in, you just need to know that, okay, to this, but when you use that in a wise, creative, thoughtful way, you know what guys tell me? You could ask your husband to get up every single morning in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning and vacuum the house, and he would gladly do it with a smile on his face. If you, but but, but it's, your, it's your words. It's your voice. Men melt when the voice is just right. They just do. Try it. I mean, give it a try. Okay? That's all. All right. I just, uh, one last thing. Krista, when we got married, she chose... Uh, a charge, to, she chose a charge to be given to her uh, about this. And um, anyway, she's just going to read this. Uh, it's, it was beautiful. It was one of my favorite parts about our wedding ceremony. So, Okay, so this is what I chose, that my smile would be his brightest day. 
that my voice would be his sweetest music. My lips would be his most faithful counselor. And the most important one of all, my prayers would be his most able advocate in heaven's courts. So every day I am, I'm literally reminded about this, that I, had, I made a vow, a, a charge, I accepted this, to be John's most faithful advocate in prayer. I also have a choice to make with my, my lips, my voice, my smile, to be, to be the one that he desires. And so um, there are not many days that go by that I don't wake up. The first thing I pray for is for my husband. And in the days that same night, I'm praying for him. I'm taking him before heaven's courts and pleading his case before the Lord. Um, ladies, there's great power in that, in prayer. If we can't do anything right, we can pray. And, and God um, is honored. He's honored by our prayers, our sacrifice to our husbands. Um, and it makes a difference. We can't do it alone. It's, it's impossible without God. The, the task is too big. But with God, all things are possible. Yeah, so it is very powerful. And Krista's done an exceptional uh, job uh, with that. She, she really has. And it, it, it makes a huge difference. Okay, so that's the end of smoking Hot. I hope that through this journey that you'll consider from time to time going back and reading this song and really soaking up its principles. And um, God is the master of romance, and he knows how we can achieve the heights of romance better than anybody else. I hope that you have gotten something out of it and that you've enjoyed it. I just want to pray and ask for the Lord to do whatever in our hearts that each one of us needs uh, in the area of romance, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every single person here in this place. You know, relationships are incredibly important. Um, Lord, whatever it is that we need to be healed from, possibly, that we've experienced in our past romantically, I pray for your healing. I pray, Father, for your touch upon every single man and woman in this room today. Lord, you are the master of romance. And I pray that your will would be done in our lives when it comes to this area of romance, this song that is more important than any other song. Let your will be done to the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.